Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. show for you and how could we not after a wild week nine we'll recap all of it with our weekly superlatives we'll have our 10 takes and to do it we will have a very special guest join us in just a few moments then cool and i we promised we'll do it we're doing it we're gonna outline a few bold predictions and they may ruffle a few feathers Following that, we'll do a deep dive into a star who isn't really playing like a star. And as always, we will end with your questions about fantasy, football, life in general, whatever, all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Zach Cohen of the Draft Network alongside the noble Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. If you like the show please feel free, drop a follow and leave a review on whatever streaming platform you use. We're close to building something pretty big here, but we would love your help to do it as always. I guess as uh, Jerry Maguire would say, help us help you. And to help everyone ahead of what looks to be a very fun week 10, we brought in a special guest. I teased him last week as someone you may know from the wide world of Twitter. He does some great work with football guys and with fantasy pros. Please welcome Dave Klug. Dave, it is so awesome to have you on, man. We are big fans of yours. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. Glad we're getting the opportunity to link up here. I'm I'm, I'm never going to pass up on an opportunity to meet some new people and talk some football. So really excited for the show today. Yeah, our thoughts. Exactly. We were just talking about the show about how it seems like you are always on our feeds, providing us information, some fun stuff here and there. So appreciate it as always figured we'd, we'd have to get your thoughts on certain things, especially with like kind of all the news that's really dropped uh, at the beginning of this week with the games going on Sunday. Not as much as last week but still some things going on like the Odo Beckham sweepstakes as of this recording it's a Wednesday afternoon November 10th Odell is still yet to be signed but maybe he'll add some fantasy value wherever he goes yeah you know I think if he goes to the Packers which it appears he wants mm-hmm. to and they don't want to give him a penny more than the league uh, minimum I think that would be a great opportunity for him to link up with somebody like Aaron Rodgers. But realistically, I think that uh, the Patriots make the most sense. You know, he's had some character issues over the last few years now. I don't think there's any denying that. And uh, the Patriots, they seem to be that kind of last ditch effort for guys like that. When you look historically at everyone from Albert Hainsworth and Ocho Cinco and these guys that didn't work out too well, but they've also got stories like Randy Moss and uh, Corey David, or I'm sorry, um, Corey Dillon who came in there with some character issues, really got their head on straight and really turned their career around. So I think that would be the best opportunity for him. And uh, from from what I've been reading today, Bill Belichick is pushing pretty, pretty hard to make it happen. Mm-hmm. We feel in Packers, Cole. Like, I think that's probably what's going to happen. I, I think it'd be nice for him. It'd be nice for Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know any other places. I think I saw he was interested in the Chiefs or the Saints. Yeah, I saw he was interested in the Chiefs, which makes a lot of sense, especially considering Patrick Mahomes' problems. But for me, it's it's the money, right? Like, can Odell humble himself enough to take, like, a million-dollar league minimum? And to me, like, I just don't see that happening. And, like, obviously the Packers aren't going to pay him 
more than Devontae Adams with, with like that contract in the works and hoping to keep him in Green Bay for long term. So I think for me, the Chiefs make a lot of sense. But I mean, just aside from that, it's hilarious seeing every single fan base tweet out a picture of Odell in in their uh, team's jersey. It just seems like every single every single week we're getting a new mock up of him and and you know it's a brilliant art. Don't get me wrong, but it's I, that's just been my timeline. It's just been overloaded with with photos of, of different jerseys mm-hmm. that Odell's wearing. Yeah, hopefully the Odell sweepstakes end soon. I have a, I have a good feeling or maybe a bad feeling. It depends how you look at it. That by the time this episode airs we will know what team Odell is on as for whether he should be on your fantasy team. Is there even value left to hold? Like Dave, it seems like everyone's kind of living in this world back in 2014, 15, when Odell was like the best receiver in the league, a generational talent, yada, yada, yada. Now it's kind of like he's, he's what, 29 years old. He's had uh, lived through some injury prone seasons. Can he still provide any relevancy to your rosters? I think for him, it's more mental than anything else. And I think the injuries certainly have, uh, you know, affected him a little bit. He's not the same explosive player that he was for his first three years in the league. But for him, it seems mental. You know, you see his body language on the sideline. You see him giving up on routes. You see him, you know, just tripping and falling while he's, you know, trying to break out of his routes. He just doesn't look like the player that we've seen over the last few years. And, you know, I hate to use this term, but he's a little bit of a diva. And I think that what he wants is just to feel wanted. So if he goes somewhere where he's getting peppered with eight to 10 targets a day, or a game, who knows? Maybe he can roll the clock back a little bit and look like that old player. But I have not seen that side of Odell in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Totally with you. And of course, Odell isn't the only player being talked about today. Uh, Sam Darnold, depending on your perspective or not, this news may be big or not, but he'll be out four to six weeks. PJ Walker time, you'll love to see it. An XFL superstar getting the start with the Panthers, but maybe it'll impact like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, who has not been good. Any fantasy implications there for Darnold? Uh, I think any quarterback besides Sam Darnold is an improvement for those pass catchers <laughs> in Carolina. I think really? they can take any warm body that can throw the ball and it's going to help them out a little bit. So uh, DJ Moore, he started off the season red hot, but he's cooled down. Uh, Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson, I thought they were going to have an incredible connection going back to you know their, their time together in the Jets, but they haven't been able to figure it out either. Uh, Sam Darnold, he just... Uh, I'm starting to think that he might be the problem rather than Adam Gase during that tenure in uh, in New York. So I'm hoping that P.J. Walker could really help bring out the best in these pass catchers because they have a lot of really talented guys on that roster. Jeez. It kind of felt that way, right? Like Sam Darnold going to Carolina seemed like a perfect situation, an upgrade most definitely, um, and just surrounded by talented people. It's like, okay, if he, if he, can't, if he can't produce with that amount of talent around him, then – Obviously, Carolina has a position, knows where they need to address for the following year. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine a better situation for a quarterback? You're getting Joe Brady, you're getting DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. Like, you're getting all of these talented weapons around you. Uh, It seems like just about any quarterback should be able to succeed in that system. We saw Teddy Bridgewater have the best uh, season of his career last year, and it's just unfortunate that Sam Darnold can't seem to get it together. Who knows? Maybe, maybe this is what he needed. Maybe he needs four to six weeks off, come back. But like at this point, I would be shocked. Uh, maybe DJ Moore bounces back though. He hasn't had a wide receiver one week in quite a few weeks. Maybe, maybe we can buy low on DJ Moore here. Is there any hope for him to save his stock? He hasn't really been performing up to expectations the last few weeks. 
Yeah, the problem is people that drafted DJ Moore love DJ Moore, so it's really, really <laughs> hard to buy low on DJ Moore because there is almost a cult-like following when it comes to him. So um, <laughs> I, I've tried in a few leagues. I thought that I might be able to prime away after a few down weeks, but I can assure you that anybody that's rostering DJ Moore is not interested in selling. Mm-hmm. Another player who will be returning to the field soon, aside from Odell, uh, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, designated to return today. He really, do I want to say, I don't want to say bust because, you know, he was hurt, but the expectations obviously placed on him last season and this season were sky high. Is he even worth like a roster spot right now? Like Daryl Williams stock, what's going on there? How should we treat Edwards-Alaire? You know, I still really like CEH um, and his problem is he hasn't been able to find the end zone. And that is brutal when you've got a running back that can't find the end zone, but his scrimmage yards are consistently impressive. Last year, uh, prior to Le'Veon Bell showing up, he was actually pacing as the third most scrimmage yards in the NFL behind just Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. He was crushing it last year. Like I said, just couldn't find the end zone. So hopefully that can turn around a little bit and he'll just regress uh, a, a bit closer to the mean. So I'm not completely giving up on CEH yet. And I think that he's a great buy low candidate. How about that? And then obviously Darrell Williams placed. Uh, he would into fantasy irrelevancy when Clyde does come back. Cole's got a little bit more on Patrick Mahomes later, but I think that's good to kick off what we're planning on doing right now. So every week... We bring in some weekly superlatives with Cole and I each bring two. You brought two of your own. So I'm saying, hey, why don't you kick things off? What's a weekly superlative you have to kick off this segment here on the Breakout Football Podcast? You know, I don't know if it's necessarily weekly, but my superlative is that Carson Wentz is the comeback player of the year. I love what I've been seeing from him over the last couple months. And don't get me wrong, Dak's story is great. You know, Tyrod Taylor, he can do whatever he wants down in Houston. But Carson Wentz right now went from being an MVP candidate to just the laughing stock of the NFL last year. And now he is balling out in Indy. So I think that he is the front runner for comeback player of the year. Yeah, there you go. I think a lot of people thought that kind of be like Dak Prescott or Joe Burrow. And again, they've been playing well, but Wentz has quietly quietly been a QB1 throughout this season. He's my start of the week, by the way, for my Draft Network article uh, that I think should come out this, around the same time as this podcast. So that's a good superlative right there. Already starting things off on a good note. Cole is usually the one to kick things off. I can see him simmering in his seat. He didn't get the first words out, but he's got another good superlative up right now. So Now's your chance, Cole. Here you go. What's up? Yeah, you kept me waiting. My superlative <laughs> is when the grass is greener in another stadium, which is basically me finding a synonym for a player with a much-needed rebound week. And I think Devontae Smith did pretty well with 23.6 PPR points. That's good enough for your wide receiver two of week nine. Um, he only grabbed one catch for 15 yards the previous week. So, I mean, that was definitely necessary to keep, you know, the fantasy manager's faith in him. Most importantly, Hertz only completed 11 passes that game, and five of them were, were to Smitty for 116 yards. So that was pretty heartening to see, like, production there, even if the quarterback play aims to be pretty shaky for the near future. The Eagles have some tough opponents coming up, and, you know, Hertz isn't the most consistent thrower of the football. So it's it's good to see that, Smith, that Devontae Smith can excel in that role despite, you know, some some shakiness at the helm. There definitely seems to be the, this cloud of whether Smith can replicate that success. Are you on the Devontae Smith train, Dave, or is this just a one-time thing only? 
I am very much so on the Devonta Smith train, uh, more so in dynasty than in redraft. Cole already talked about it. You know, the, what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts is uh, we're seeing astronomical fantasy numbers, but he hasn't really been great when it comes to supporting the pass catchers and the supporting cast around him. So um, that being said, uh, I, I think that Devonta Smith is just one of the most talented route runners out there. Uh, he got, you know, knocked a little bit by the analytics community this offseason because of his BMI and his breakout age and all that. But you just watch this guy. He is a football player. He knows how to get open. He knows how to catch the ball. Um, big fan of him, and I think that he's going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. Another player I think could be just fine as my first superlative is the potential league winner. There's no secret that James Conner probably won you a lot of leagues uh, just based off of this one week. And Chase Edmonds, he got injured I think on the first play of the game, I didn't see it, but it was pretty damn early. And that paved the way for Connor to see 26 touches. That is the most he's had all season. And that includes five targets. Previously, we've seen Edmonds kind of be the receiving back in this offense. And he got some valuable carries in there too. But Connor was really mostly just a red zone type of back for the team. And in fact, he had seen five targets collectively all season. Now, will he see 26 targets touches every game? No, but Edmonds will miss a few weeks. And honestly, I really expect him to be basically irrelevant for the remainder of the season. So that really paves the way for Connor to be a league winner throughout the rest of the season. Now, of course, you know, Benjamin, he may be more ready. He may take on a little bit more of Chase Edmonds roles, but let's keep in mind here. Connor is Arizona's primary red zone threat. He's the fourth most carries among all running backs inside the 10 yard line. Does he have a ceiling of 20 plus carries to four or five targets a game? Maybe, but the fact that we're even considering that makes him at least an RB two, definitely a flex play moving forward. And someone who can rack up a good amount of points for your fantasy team. Are we, are we buying into James Connor right now? Or am I going to stand on an Island on this one? Yeah, I'm buying into James Conner. I mean, how could you not after seeing that performance last week? Um, that being said, I really hope this opens up an opportunity for Rondale Moore. I feel like he would just fit so well into that Chase Edmonds role. Uh, but it doesn't seem that the coaching staff has the trust in him really to give him that amount of touches every single game. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm stacking my chips on James Conner and expecting him. I don't know if league winner is really safe to say, because unfortunately I feel like he's going to get that rug pulled out of him right at fantasy playoffs. when chase Edmonds comes back, but he's going to be really nice for the next four to six weeks. That's what's the, the, that's, what's different about the Cardinals from any other team is it, it feels like their players are put into specific roles, right? And this is a prime example of what happens when your top two rushing threats are, you know, out for the game and, I mean, you're just basically forced to blow up that infrastructure and kind of, you know, improvise, right? And that's in the form of giving Connor a boatload of touches and, and him scoring. So uh, it's definitely interesting what they do in Arizona. I'm, I'm not sure if I agree with you too if in potential league winner, mostly just because of the reasons you mentioned, Dave, but, and I'm also like a big fan of Edmonds as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sign me up for the pro Chase Edmonds line anytime. Uh, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. Who knows? I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll keep the ball rolling with the rest of our weekly superlatives. We each got one more talking with Dave Klug at Dave Klug, D-A-V-E-K-L-U-G-E on Twitter. Pretty simple. Uh, what's another superlative you brought for us, Dave? How about uh, Justin Fields is the best rookie quarterback? And uh, I am a Bears fan, so I'll admit there's a little bit of bias there, but <laughs> how can you see this over the last couple of weeks and not think that Justin Fields is the best rookie quarterback? 
he has looked so good the last two weeks. And I don't know. You guys were obviously, oh, I know you were, Dave. Uh, Cole, you had any chance to catch like the Steelers game and really see what Fields was doing? Because he was balling. He was balling. He looked fantastic. Yeah, I saw a lot of great throws, and I've been a fan of Fields. I've been his white knight since the beginning. I, I said that this guy is easily quarterback two in the draft. And from, to me, like the biggest thing that I like about him is he just looks composed. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like the lights are too bright for him. He just seems like he has command of the offense and there's going to be yips and there's going to be roadblocks. But I feel like that's what year one is for is, is to, you know, feel out the NFL action for yourself and and just grow as a player. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it, I think it kind of opens up the segue to your superlative because we, we've spoken a lot of positivity. This is a positive podcast. We love yes. really preaching the success of the players, but I know you, you were dying to talk about this one player and this one specific play. So the floor is yours, my friend to present your next superlative. Yeah. My superlative is a not top play from a top player and it's quarterback Matthew Stafford. I mean, what went wrong? The Titans, they were supposed to be a layup. And Stafford didn't really come through at all. 13 points, two picks, one return for a touchdown against one of the league's more vulnerable secondaries, you would think. I mean, headed into Sunday, only Tom Brady had more touchdowns than Stafford. And I mean, I say he figures to still be a pretty much a plug and play option at the position moving forward since defenses, they haven't really been able to figure out Cooper Cup all season in that connection. Um, But if we move to a stretch where like, Playoff seeding and wins, they mean more now than they do in the early season, you know, feeler type week. So, I mean, it's definitely a disappointing performance from a quarterback one for many fantasy squads this weekend. We'll be fine with Stafford moving forward, right, Dave? Like, I'd imagine he's a guy you can confidently start every week, right? Yeah, and and unfortunately, when you have those non-Konami code quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford, you are going to have some down weeks like this, and that's just the nature of it. I'm sure Tom Brady's going to have at least one or two down weeks in this season as well, Um, but you know, we've already seen his ceiling. He is just tailor-made for this offense. Him and Sean McVay just seem like they have been... Um, you know, just, just, it makes so much sense that they are finally linked up together. He's having the best season of his career. So um, yeah, even despite last week, I still have him as a top 10 quarterback for the rest of the season. I, I was talking to, uh, or I was listening to Joe Marino talk in a TDN meeting we had last week and I forget the stat and it pains me that I did, but Stafford's leading in a stat like far and away right now, where since 2016, the leading player of that stat has won MVP. I think it was like yards per, like like something to do with yards and efficiency, but ah, it's killing me that I don't know the exact stat. But like the point is Stafford's on his way to an MVP season. Uh, real quick, before I get into my final superlative and we throw some players at you, can you give us a quick breakdown of Konami code? Because I've been a huge follower of that for so long, but I know not everyone might know what it is. Yeah, so actually, uh, Rich Rebar is the uh, gentleman that coined that phrase. I had him on my show last week. Just a great dude and one of the sharpest guys in the fantasy football industry. Mm -hmm. But basically just saying that it is a cheat code when you have a quarterback that can run the ball. Um, I I put a little thread together over the uh, offseason on Twitter, kind of breaking it down. But, um, you know, you're just getting a safe floor when you have a guy that's rushing the ball. So when you look at Lamar Jackson, you know, he's probably the most 
extreme example there. If he's rushing for a thousand yards, you break that down, you're getting a hundred fantasy points out of that. That alone is equivalent to 25 passing touchdowns. So when you've got a guy that can run the ball, it's like, and that's what we're seeing with Jalen hurts right now. He hasn't been that efficient. He's not putting up monster passing numbers, but because he gives you that floor as a rusher, it's almost like a cheat code where he's just consistently putting out QB one weeks every single week. And you get that with guys like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and, uh, and Jalen hurts. And Ryan Tannehill, not so much this year, but last year. So I, I try to make sure that I have a guy like that in every single one of my leagues, just so you don't have that weekly volatility. Nice little fantasy football lesson from Dave Klug, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Yep, there you go. Uh, Konami code, definitely something to keep in mind when picking next season. We'll get to 10 takes in a second, but I got a superlative that I've been thinking about for quite some time, and it's not just because Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped 16.6 points as Odell Beckham's, uh, I guess, official replacement. The superlative is fool's gold. You should not expect this type of production every week, and it goes to DPJ. He only played 60% of the snaps, which was the second most among wide receivers on the team and saw three targets, which again was tied for second most on the team, but don't let the production distract you from that usage. Now I know the Browns receivers have been banged up this season, but in the two games Odell missed to start the season, DPJ played more than 75% of the snaps in each game. That was the highest rate among receivers yet. He saw just one target in each game. And keep in mind, Peoples-Jones is at a higher snap rate than Anthony Schwartz and Richard Higgins this year, and it's not really that close. It really doesn't help either that the Browns throw the, throw the ball to their receivers at the third lowest rate in the league. So I guess the bottom line here, even if DPJ becomes the Browns like bona fide wide receiver too, there's no guarantee he'll be good enough or he'll see the ball enough to be a solid start every single week. So... Those round up our superlatives. Great job all around. But now comes the fun part, at least for Cole and I, because we each have five players. We've written down. They've been, we've been thinking about them, and we need your help on deciding really what to do with them, Dave. So we're going to rotate the players. We call this 10 takes because we have 10 takes on 10 players. You just give us a take on them. You can take as long as you want. You can give a three words and move on, whatever. So, Cole, why don't you kick things off with your first player you want, Dave, to dish out a take on? Yeah, we'll start off with Daniel Jones because week 10, the Giants are on by. He hasn't recorded a top 10 appearance since week four. Is it safe to say that managers, they can cut ties pretty confidently if they haven't already? Uh, I would say so, yeah. I mean, he's just kind of a punchline for so many jokes out there, but he's actually <laughs> been kind of solid in fantasy, but it's not because he is a better quarterback. He's actually throwing more uh, interceptions and fewer touchdowns than he has in his entire career. It's what we talked about earlier, the Konami code thing, you know, he's been running the ball a lot and that is improving his fantasy output. But uh, yeah, at this point he has, uh, you know, gone through a little bit of a cold stretch here. And I'd say that he is safe to drop. Oof. You hate to see it if you have Jones on your fantasy rosters. Well, one quarterback, maybe you can pick up, or actually, I think he's uh, rostered in roughly 56% of the leagues, according to Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings, uh, is Derek Carr. What's your thoughts on the Raiders quarterback right now? Because he has a juicy schedule to end the season. He has the second easiest schedule in terms of uh, strength of schedule per 4 for 4 football right now. So, Derek Carr, yay, nay? 
Yeah, I, I changed my tune on Derek Carr big time this season. I was always a hater, and I don't think I really had a reason for it besides he just that was annoyed me, me on hard knocks. I, I think that's what it was. He's just not a likable guy. He was on hard knocks, <laughs> and I just didn't like him. I mean, that was, that was pretty much all it came down to, but he is balling out this year. The Raiders have been much more aggressive on offense. He is taking shots down the field that are turning into big touchdowns. You already called out the juicy schedule. Yes, I think Derek Carr is a top 12 QB for the rest of the season. How about that? Well, let's keep the ball rolling. I got some quarterbacks out of the way. Uh, there you heard it here first, by the way. Derek Carr, great stuff coming from him. Daniel Jones, ugh, cut the cord already. Uh, let's talk about some running backs, though. Cole, you got one in mind? Yeah, we talked about how electric Stafford has been for the Rams, but, you know, Henderson, it kind of seems like he's been hot and cold the past few weeks. He hasn't cracked 100 yards rushing on the season. He is kind of a bit touchdown dependent. And like I said, it just kind of seems like you never know what you're going to expect from him, at least over the, the last, you know, four game stretch. Um, is, is that kind of your similar thoughts as well? Yeah, you know, I, I love Daryl Henderson's talent, but I think he was much better suited as a change of pace back. Um, and and I think Sean McVay is starting to realize that too. In four straight weeks, we've seen a snap count, snap count go down. And yeah, part of that has to do with him getting injured last week. But it seems like Sony Michelle is starting to carve out a bigger role in this offense. Um, we, we saw it last year where Sean McVay is A-OK right in the hot hand, whether that was Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown, or Daryl Henderson last year. And it seems like right now, Sony Michelle's running with a little bit more juice. So I'd be a little bit concerned about Daryl Henderson going forward and he might win the job back as the season goes on, but he is not somebody that I have a lot of confidence in right now, especially after that dud against the lions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who would have thought Sony Michelle would be throwing a wrench into everyone's ones. I saw, <laughs> Oh man, I think it might've been Ben Solak, but I, I could be wrong. Who sent a meme on Twitter at some point this week where it's like, everyone's uh, all, all these like gods are in a picture and they're all like agreeing on something. And it's like, oh, like Daryl Henderson, fantasy managers and like uh, Rams fans and Matthew Stafford managers and Cooper Cup managers. And they're all agreeing on the fact that nobody likes Sony Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Just to help us know. It's very true. Just helps know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, I need your advice on Alvin Kamara. Because it seems like there's been a little bit more cause for concern. And I think that's kind of a theme of the show so far is like some players to worry about. Should we wor be worried about Kamara moving forward? Uh, a bit, yeah, because he was drafted most likely top three or top five in your draft. So you invested a lot of draft capital in him. And he's still the same player he's always been. You know, he's slippery. He's got just unreal pound for pound strength. His balance is unmatched in the league. But unfortunately, so many of his points came from the passing game with Drew Brees just getting those short little dump offs. And that, that's where he got the majority of his fantasy points. And now he's seen a career high rushing attempts. He's actually on pace to set his career high in rushing attempts by week 12. But carries just aren't as valuable as targets when you're looking at running backs. Um, and then once you look at Taysom Hill coming back from his injury and possibly sniping some goal line touches for him. Yeah, I think you should be concerned about Alvin Kamara. I think he's still a low-end RB1, which you're happy with starting him every single week, but I don't know if he's going to be putting out that top three to five value that you drafted him for. Continuing the theme of paranoia about usage, what about Rashad Bateman? Because Bateman, he had super high expectations from fantasy managers before his injury to start the season. He's now, you know, getting mixed into the offense last three weeks, saw eight targets against the Vikings, but is there enough space for him to get that consistent production in offense with Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, Watkins, who are holding down roles um, throughout the first nine weeks of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. And that was why some people were fading Rashad Bateman heading into this season. That being said, this is a completely different Ravens team than we have seen over the last three years. I pulled these numbers this morning, and over the first three years, Lamar Jackson averaged 154 yards on 20.6 attempts per game. This year, he's averaging 276 yards per game on 33.3 attempts. So this is suddenly this high-flying passing attack offense that I don't think anybody expected. But with Lamar's improvements as a passer, I do think that he can be supported as at least a wide receiver two, wide receiver three in fantasy. Well, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are still getting theirs. I'm definitely so excited about Bateman. You know, I did a lot of obviously research on him ahead of the draft last year with TDN. I think the fit in Baltimore is fantastic. So I still have my hopes with him for sure. Uh, one player who I really had like no expectations for, I didn't really expect much out of him, was Emmanuel Sanders, but he's quietly had a pretty decent season. A couple of duds worked in there. So what's your take on Sanders moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see this coming either. It was, uh, you know, uh, the, the the big debate in the offseason was Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis, and I put my chips on Emmanuel Sanders, but still, I was taking him in the 11th, 12th round, not investing any sort of crazy draft capital into him. Um, and, and he's doing great right now. But really, the thing with Emmanuel Sanders is just how much he is hurting Stefan Diggs. I think that is a bigger mm -hmm. story than his actual production. He has taken a big slice out of that pie. And then you've also got Dawson Knox, who's missed the last couple of weeks, who has seen a 400% increase in target share compared to what he saw last year. So, um, well, well, Emmanuel Sanders' story is great. And I think that he's somebody that you can confidently plug in as a wide receiver to every single week. Really, the problem that I have with him is what he is doing to Stefan Diggs in this offense. Yeah, another player that has vaulted into a pretty sizable target share is now Hunter Renfro with the Henry Rugg situation. He filled a void for the Raiders last game with a 749-1 stat line as the week's wide receiver 11. And he also scored the team's only touchdowns. So, I mean, should we expect this type of production moving forward from Renfro? Um, I think last week was a little bit of an anomaly and I think Deshaun Jackson kind of comes in and, and I know that's a name that people aren't getting too excited about, but he is like a one-to-one -one clone of Henry Ruggs and he is going to fit right into Henry Ruggs's role in that offense. So I think what we saw early in the season, not last week is going to be a stronger indicator of what to expect going forward with Hunter Renfro. Um, that being said, he's averaging seven and a half targets per game, despite barely cracking six or not even cracking 60% of his team snaps. So, um, you know, he's given you a solid floor, but I, I think that last week was kind of his ceiling and I wouldn't expect that too much going forward. Speaking of ceilings, we just saw Elijah Moore pop off for another week. This one, he scored two touchdowns and he was a popular sleeper pick coming into the season. You know, being a rookie on a team that really had no established wide receiver. One is more someone who we can start every single week moving forward. Or is that kind of going to be a give and take type of situation? I'm about to say something uh, that you guys might find uh, or, or take some offense to here, but I think as long as Zach Wilson isn't the quarterback, you keep playing Elijah Moore. Right now, Zach Wilson has struggled, and I understand that he's a rookie, and I know that he's a raw talent, and I still think that the future is bright for Zach Wilson, but we got to call it like it is. He has been awful so far through his rookie season, and we saw it with Mike White and Josh Jackson last week that Elijah Moore was able to produce just fine without him. So I think that uh, you start him confidently while Zach Wilson is out, and then when Wilson comes back, you just temper expectations a little bit. Is the Jets listeners to this podcast right now are going up in flames. My <laughs> gosh. Fuming. Oh, my goodness. I will keep the ball rolling. We got a couple more players left for our 10 takes. Cole, who you got next? 
yeah, I mean, let's continue the theme of awfulness. and But don't look now but because Evan Ingram, back-to-back <laughs> weeks, finishing as a top 10 tight end, but only seven targets. And without those touchdowns, those numbers don't look as pretty. What's your take on that, Dave? Well, on the season, he's averaging 5.1 targets per year or per game, which is pretty solid for a tight end. And, and I think the big problem with Evan Ingram is that his drops last year came on primetime games in crucial situations. So they are ingrained in everybody's brain. Uh, but I don't buy too deeply into drops. I don't think that they carry over year to year too well. I am actually a big fan of Evan Ingram. There aren't many guys that come in as a rookie and do what he did. He's had some struggles with injuries over the last few years, but uh, I had Evan Ingram as a tight end one in the off season, And I'm standing by that until he gives me reason not to believe it. Dave, Zach and I have a war on this podcast. I'm team punt the tight end position, get lucky on waivers, maybe trade for one. And Zach is all for, you know, spending a high draft pick caliber on one. Where do you stand on, on that take? Oh man. I mean, this has been a tough year for that because uh, I, I would agree that you want to take a top three guy, but Travis Kelsey's underproducing. Darren Waller has been a disappointment. George Kittle's missed a few games. So if you invested that capital, it is not something that you're feeling too good about right now. But uh, we still have a lot of season left. George Kittle balled out last week. Um, hopefully, Travis Kelsey can shake the rust off. Hopefully, Darren Waller can regress back to the mean. But uh, I am a guy that went into my drafts this year trying to leave all of them with one of those top three guys. And then the few drafts that I didn't, I you know, I, I reached for guys like Johnny Smith and Gerald Everett that have been even more disappointing than those top three guys. So really, it's just a crapshoot any way you look at it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're really just praying and hoping that you can get some production out of that slot. A couple years ago, I, for the first time ever, took a tight end early. I was also team punt the tight ends. And then I won the league and I did some research and I looked at like teams that have won in my previous leagues. I know it's not the, the, the most sustainable pool of data right there, but like every single team that had been to the championship had like a top tight end. So it's kind of been my goal of mine to get one. And listeners of this podcast know how big of a fan I I am of TJ Hawkinson going into this season. And right now I, I said he'll be a top two tight end by the end of the season. That may happen. I just wanted to toot my own horn. There was really no uh, actionable <laughs> advice there. Uh, but I do want your advice about Dalton Schultz because he kind of came, I won't say out of nowhere, but he had some great weeks then dealing with some injury stuff. Hasn't really been matching that production. So what do you think about Schultz going forward? He's a guy that, like you said, came out of nowhere. So like prior to this year, I didn't really know who Dalton Schultz was. I was going <laughs> all in on Blake Jarwin. I was directing Blake Jarwin everywhere, expecting him to, you know, uh, bounce back from that injury and, and have a big season like we wanted him to have last year. And Dalton Schultz, I mean, I, I got to be honest, I don't see anything that spectacular when I watch him on film. It's not like he really jumps off the tape and, and, and shocks me. He's just getting volume right now and and that's what you want in a tight end is volume he's getting volume and he's getting red zone looks so uh i think you ride the hot hand and you keep playing him but i don't know how sustainable it is especially now with michael gallup back in the offense yeah that's right gallup's coming back sorry to anyone who for some reason wasted like all their fab on malik turner of all people <laughs> uh but dalton schultz michael gallup coming back and that's kind of that. There it is. Like we ran through the 10 takes the weekly superlatives with Dave Kluge, man. It was, this was a blast. We knew we were going to have a good time talking with you. I don't know. You got any final words before we uh, send you on your way here? We know you got a busy schedule, my man. Uh, I just tell everyone the same thing. Follow me on Twitter. It's too hard to plug all my shows and articles and everything I'm doing. So <laughs> follow me on Twitter and you will see what I'm up to. 
You got a MySpace by any chance they could follow you on? We always ask that. <laughs> oh, man. No, I actually tried to uh, find that the other day. I wanted to, not the other day, but about a year ago. I was like, I want to see if this is still active just to see what type of like cringeworthy photos I was posting back in, you know, 2005, 2006. But no, I do not have a MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to ask. Well, appreciate your time as always, Dave. Uh, anyone follow him again at Dave Klug, D-A-V-E-K-L-U-G-E. Not on MySpace. Sorry to anyone uses that. Man, that was fun talking with Dave. He is he is awesome. That that was a lot of fun. And we have a lot of guests and they're all great in their own way, like for sure. But it was something special just about talking with Dave, you know? Yeah, I mean, Dave's awesome. I feel like every single time I refresh my Twitter feed, I see a tweet from him at the top. So it was it was great finally connecting with someone that is just, you know, such a prominent voice in the FF community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't really know how to transition it, so we'll just get right into it. Last week, last week out of nowhere, you dropped a bold prediction of who you think will be RB1 to end the season. Joe Mixon, yep, and I'll, I'll stand by it. Honestly, it's not looking as bold as it was last week. I said Najee Harris, but I also said, why don't we do this segment the following week? Well, here we are. So now we each got two bullet predictions. Let's run through them. Then you got a nice dive into Patrick Mahomes. Then we got some fan Q&A and we'll head out of here. But bullet prediction time, baby. This will certainly not come to bite us back in the butt. So what do you got for us? I've got A.J. Brown finds his way into the top 15 wide receivers by playoff time. He's kind of hanging on the fringe. I think he's like wide receiver 28 right now. Not really, you know, playing up to expectations, especially for, for someone that you spend, you know, a hot, pretty high draft pick on. But once again, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries. It seemed like he was doing the same thing last year. And to reference last year, over the final seven games of last season, he was actually the wide receiver 10. And so I think only... 20 or 30 points separate the top 10 wide receivers from, you know, the top 20 and and those that follow. And so it's very conceivable that Brown turns it around. And especially since, okay, I get the shine around Adrian Peterson, his comeback to football and him filling in for the, you know, now injured Derrick Henry, but I don't expect the ageless wonder Adrian Peterson to have that type of game every single week the passing game has got to pick up the slack inevitably Ryan Tannehill there will be points where he needs to air it out and so that's why I think AJ Brown he's he's due for a monster second half of the season and I think he is a safe bet to rank toward the top of receivers every single week from now on I can totally see that. He kind of looked like what he's done uh, in the past few weeks since coming back after starting really off with an injury. He's looked pretty damn good, like about as good as advertised. So I like that one. I like that one. Uh, let me let me try this one off for size. I have been asked more about Alvin Kamara than I have than about any other player in the past like few days. Zach says this every podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. And there's a kind of a reason because I'll put it on my TikTok. Like, hey, I'll say something about him and suddenly everyone's like, oh my God, should I trade him? Should I trade him? Should I trade him? Because I said Kamara is one of my sell players. Like I would sell him. And we'll talk a little bit more about him later on in the podcast. We just had Dave talk about him. But my bold prediction is that David Montgomery outscores Alvin Kamara from this point on through the rest of the season. It's kind of a two-parter because I'm expecting Montgomery's production to increase and Kamara's production to keep decreasing. 
for Montgomery prior to the injury, he was a workhorse. Like there's no getting around it. He saw the seventh most snaps among all running backs in that time. He got hurt. He came back and played a season high 85.5% of the bear snaps. That is music to the ears of Montgomery managers. And it was the most among all running backs in week nine. Now look, yeah, he only scored 10 points, but the Steelers are number one in fantasy points allowed to running backs. It was a tough matchup. We got to get that out of the way. But through the rest of the season, Montgomery will face teams in the bottom half of FPA in all but one of the eight remaining eight games. Eight remaining eight remaining games. You get the point. As for Kamara, his usage has dropped noticeably since Mark Ingram came back to town. I'm not saying... I'm not saying Kamara is a must sell by any means, but when Ingram came back to New Orleans, suddenly Kamara has failed to see more than 69% of the Saints snaps, something he was clearing before Ingram was in town. Now, I do think that Kamara is a better player than David Montgomery, but I still think Montgomery outscores Kamara from this point on, even though Kamara is way more important to his offense than Montgomery is. But with Ingram's usage, the pending involvement of Taysom Hill, and the lack of a true passing threat in the Saints offense all point to a reduction in production for Kamara. Both running backs are obviously weekly starters, but from this point forward, I think Montgomery outproduces Kamara. Yeah, I don't hate that take. And that's mostly just because establishing the run, especially getting your star running back back, is going to be important for the Bears. You know, you take the load off Justin Fields and – setting up your rookie for success, right? You establish the run early. It makes the passing game flow easier. And so I think that's what I expect the Bears to do. And that will obviously help David Montgomery as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, What's another bold prediction you got? Maybe one to do with running backs yourself? Yeah, I mean, definitely. This is bold. It's not sexy, though. Michael Carter outscores Miles Gaskin the rest of the way. And like I said, like this isn't a knock your socks off prediction, but I think it's necessary because of the injuries we've seen to running backs, right? Your running back twos are going to be become running back ones, especially if you did not invest in running back depth on your roster. And so I think M- Michael Carter is a good pick moving forward because Gaskin He has five weeks where he had less than 10 carries. He scored his first rushing touchdown in week nine. He's staying afloat only by his receiving ability and his receiving ability alone. Carter is neck and neck with him in the rankings as the running back 20 on the season. And this is him with a slower start. And he's able, he's been able to rebound. Mm -hmm. And with the quarterback play continue to be like a big question mark for the Jets. The reliance on the run will be felt in his usage, and he's almost a lock for that 13-15 carry mark, a solid dosage of receiving duties as well. And plus, he's going to get – he's basically established himself as the lead back in New York, which isn't saying much, but at least you know you're going to get guaranteed usage. And so that's why I like Carter, and especially with the Jets playing, you know, keep up or catch up for the rest of the season for the, and for the foreseeable future, I think Carter is a solid play for the rest of the season, especially if you are struggling with running back injuries. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a little more on the bold side than you think, because you're essentially saying Carter has to make up for all the, the weeks where he did nothing at the beginning of the season with seven Coleman there. And even then you're saying Coleman not, is not just basically not because of his anything. fault too. And it's just because of the, the depth that the jets have. And also, you know, rookies trying to earn his stripes. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. He was a big sleeper coming into the season. So glad to see uh, we're both on the Michael Carter train here. My final bold prediction before we get into your deep dive into Mahomes, Nicole's close up coming up. If you need a tight end, may I interest you in Dan Arnold and Pat Fryermuth? Like they, they will be top 10 tight ends from now through the end of the season. By the end of the season, Dan Arnold and Pat Fryermuth will be top 10 tight ends. I don't know how much more clear I can make that. Unless you have one of the five to six best tight ends, the position is a total dart throw just to show how bad it is. Arnold and Fryermuth are already top 20 tight ends after both posted just one double-digit performance in the first five weeks. It's not good to have a tight end right now in fantasy unless it's one of the top five or six of them in Waller and Kittle and Kelsey, even them, even them. They have not had the greatest stretch of games by any means. Now let's look at Arnold. Since being traded to Jacksonville, He's second on the team in targets after leading them in targets last week. It also marks the second week where Arnold finished as a tight end one, and he's doing it all without a touchdown this season. As for Fryermuth, three touchdowns in the last two games is very nice, but so is doing it on six to seven targets a game. Without Eric Ebron and Chase Claypool has been banged up, he may be week to week. Fryermuth has kind of staked his claim as Big Ben's favorite red zone target, all while averaging 50 receiving yards in the last three games. But I don't think saying they're going to be good is the bold part about it. Because let's look at the 10 tight ends who have scored 12 points per game. 10 of them have. Kelsey, Andrews, Gronk, Waller, Knox, Hawkinson, Kittle, Gesicki, Schultz, and Pitts. All 10 of them are the only 10 tight ends who have scored 12 points per game. Knox and Gronk are injured now. Kittle's health is always a concern. So not only do I think Arnold and Fryermuth crack that group, but I think they make the top eight. Let's take it a step further, shall we? So I think from now, they'll be top 10 tight ends and finish as such overall. But the bold aspect of it is saying not only will they continue to produce points, but someone like Gronk, like Knox, like Schultz, maybe even Waller fall off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I like Dan Arnold more than Fryermuth. I mean, you're saying both of them make top 10, but if I were to stake my claim on one of them making the top Mm -hmm. 10, I'd probably choose Arnold mostly just because, you know, Chark's out for season. Um, Jamal Agnew is kind of a streaky player. LaVisca Chenault, you know, losing touches to Agnew, but also just not showing up. And Mm -hmm. I think Jacksonville is kind of looking for a go-to target. Lawrence is looking for someone he can rely on. And I think Dan Arnold can really, you know, fly into that role. Mm. I had only Arnold, but I wanted to take it a step further, make it a little more bold. So I'm tying myself to both tight ends. And even then, Arnold has uh, seen the third most targets among tight ends in the past four weeks. So I, I agree with you on that one. Hey, I'm all ears. Yeah. yeah. D- this is a pro Dan Arnold podcast. We're adding Dan Arnold to the list, baby, with Michael Carter and formerly Calvin Ridley. We got to have like a, no, no, no. Ridley's still on there. He's just in timeout. We got to have like a top five <laughs> list of, of uh which which uh players is are friendly towards this podcast i like that we'll think about that too and if you're still listening to us right now for some reason i'm just kidding there's plenty of reasons to listen to us <laughs> uh why don't you just tell us who you think like we talk about the most in our in a review feel not only should you be following us because then you'll get the advice straight to your inbox podcast center whatever you use to listen but you should also drop a review. Maybe we'll read it on the show. Who knows? We'll get creative, just like Cole got creative in this Cole's close-up about a star quarterback who's 
not really playing like a star. How's that for an introduction? Yeah, you know, that was great. And I mean, I I didn't really want to do this because I hate to just like rag on such a, a player that has superstar potential, not even potential. He is a superstar. But I think it begs the question, at what point do you bench Mahomes? Because right now, Mahomes, the past three weeks, has hurt fantasy lineups. Quarterback 22 in week seven. That's behind Case Keenum, Geno Smith, and Mike White. I mean, those just are, are not reputable names. But then week eight, quarterback 17 behind Davis Mills, Cooper Rush, and Tua. Players, you, you would expect Mahomes to be at least several tiers above in, in like the fantasy standings. And then lately, quarterback 19 in week nine behind Colt McCoy, Trevor Simeon, and Jordan Love. Obviously not performing up to, up to expectations. And I mean, and Jordan Love's start. He outperformed Mahomes, which is concerning. That span, zero games with 300 or more passing yards. He has two interceptions and just two touchdowns over the last three-game span. Although his last game against Green Bay was he, – he snapped his turnover streak. He had seven straight games with a turnover, which is just unheard of for Mahomes. And so Raiders are number 22 against quarterbacks this season. So, I mean, it's a, it's a top-eight fantasy defense – I just don't think you can trust Mahomes this week until we see like a positive performance from him. I would trust Big Ben over the, versus the Lions over him this week. I would trust Teddy Bridgewater versus the Eagles over Mahomes. I would even trust Mac Jones versus Cleveland over Patrick Mahomes this week until I see the wheels get back on the tracks. Because at this point, when, like I said earlier in the podcast, these games mean so much more than the ones earlier in the season. And if you're fighting for playoff seating, if you're fighting um, just to, to make it into the, the playoffs, like that you're vying for that fourth seed or, or six, beat, six seed or whatever format you are in, I don't think you can rely on Mahomes to propel you to that. And it's so hard to bench a superstar player like him. But I just need to see consistency. I need to return to stardom in, over, in order to have complete faith in Kansas City signal caller. Wow, is it hot in here? I'm fanning my shirt right now. I know, I gotta take off my flannel after that. Jeez, no, 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 no. It's permanently flannel season, baby. Come on. <laughs> but my gosh, yeah. I mean, look, Mahomes has not been the steadiest starter. But you say, and you take Bridgewater, Big Ben, or Mac over him. Yep. Ooh, that is bold, my friend. That is bold. We will revisit that one for sure. As of course, we'll revisit all the predictions by the end of the season. But most close up, everybody. Patrick Mahomes bringing the heat. Don't look now. Jackson Mahomes. My gosh. <laughs> yeah, and, and those three quarterbacks are only for this week too. I mean, that was just examples right. of players that I would rank above Mahomes this week until he figures it out. Because obviously, I, I mean, I don't know what what's going on. I might need to put on the film to find out, but. It just seems like Mahomes has, has kind of lost his touch recently, and I think he regains it at some point in this season. I'm just not willing to risk my fantasy fantasy season on on like okay, this is the week, or or this is the week, and like if if he performs badly, I'm not going to throw him back out there. I'd rather just put out an option I know will put me will give me consistent production. Mm -hmm. That seems to be really the theme of like when I make my decisions and I give people advice is at bare minimum shoot for the player. He may not have the higher ceiling, but like, you know, you're going to get points out of the last thing you want is like five, six or even zero points or negative points like Tarod Taylor just put up against Miami. 
So you just shoot for some consistency. And I think all those guys, like, yeah, they could be there. To say they're going to outperform a Holmes this week, though, oh, man, I we will be revisiting that one for sure. I, I like it. I like the tenacity of which – We'll see how many quarterbacks that. I can check off next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this comes to – the final part of the show where we answer all of your questions. Oh, man, did we have a, a lot of them to sort through. I'll kick things off from TikTok. Braden underscore Duff 42. Antonio Gibson or Chris Carson rest of the season. What do you think? This one's interesting because I know Carson's been designated to return, but also Russell Wilson mm-hmm. got his pin removed from, from, his, from his finger and is expected to return as well. And so I guess the question is, both players are expected to return for Seattle. Which one is going to get eased back in more than the other? And I feel like it's going to be Wilson. And in that aspect, I think I'd rather have Carson over Gibson because I know they're going to want to take the load off off of Wilson. They're going to rely on the run game. Seattle will, will return to its run first roots. And you know Carson's going to get the goal line carries when Seattle's in scoring opportunity. Yeah, Gibson just really hasn't been playing well also. That's an interesting point you bring up. I was more thinking about can I trust – listen, I know Carson obviously has durability concerns and everything, but in his three healthy games to start the season, he was averaging 12 to 16 carries and 13 to 16-ish points. Whereas Gibson, yeah, he's been banged up a couple weeks, but he really just didn't look that good. I talked about it with my colleague at TDN, Ryan Fowler, who's a big Washington fan. He he follows the team very religiously. And he was like, yeah, like Gibson was hurt for a bit, but he just has not looked as explosive as he did last season. And I think both obviously have the upside, but I think it kind of comes down to which offense do you think will feature that back more? And I'm with you. I, I think Seattle, like, yeah, getting Russell Wilson is great. Uh, he could be a distraction, I guess, you know, to open up the run game too. But at the bottom line, the Seahawks are a run running team, whether we like it or not. It's in their blood. It's their identity. Exactly. They won't let Russ cook because they got Chris Carson stewing in the backfield. So <laughs> I think I'd say Carson over Gibson. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. So next question from Instagram, Hunter Champion, but the A in champion is a four. So Nice. Yes, we, we love the originality there. Top three fantasy schedules per position, and I'm going to let you take point on this one, Zach. Well, good, because I actually looked into the numbers on this, and I have them. I have the three fantasy schedules per position that have the easiest remaining opponents to face. I based it on 444footballs.com's hot spots and the fantasy points allowed for quarterbacks in order, the Jaguars, Raiders, and Cowboys. I don't really know if that's enough to like put Trevor Lawrence on a roster, but for Derek Carr, I like that. I like that a lot. He's a player I definitely want on my roster. And those three teams. And the Raiders need it. Exactly, yeah. Like those are teams that could really use it, probably more so the Raiders because they're the fringe team right now. Uh, But, Either way, those three teams, far and away, three easiest schedules. Running backs is a little bit closer. The two easiest schedules remaining belong to the Dolphins and the Broncos. After that, it's kind of a mosh pit of like the Texans, Browns, and the Eagles. They're all good, but I'm really looking at the Dolphins and the Broncos. So maybe Miles Gaskin rebounds a little bit. For receivers, the easiest by far, and not even close, Dallas. So maybe – it's time 
to go buy a little low on Amari Cooper, uh, maybe a little bit buy a little higher on CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, maybe. After that, the Eagles and the 49ers were second and three. The Panthers were a close four. Tight ends, clear three here too. Giants, Jaguars, and Texans. So we talked about how much we love Dan Arnold. We talked about how much we hate Evan Engram. Both of them have a really easy schedule to end this season. I didn't look at kickers because at that point, like, stream them each week. But I think people tend to hold on to the defenses a little bit more. So I looked at them. Easiest remaining schedule for fantasy defenses belong to the Dolphins, the Browns, and the Broncos. A lot of Dolphins on there. I think Dolphins, uh, if maybe if they can't start actually doing something good on the field, maybe their fantasy players could help your fantasy team, you know? Yeah, no, especially. I mean, it's 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 interesting seeing Evan Ingram make the fantasy podcast twice in in this episode. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know how I feel about that. Those <laughs> those drops are just like Dave said, just ingrained into my mind. Yeah, exactly. And I think based off of the remaining schedules for teams and the three easiest schedules for all the teams, I think some players I kind of talked about some players like to really trade for. Yeah, maybe Evan Engram, but like more importantly, Derek Carr, Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon, Devontae Jalen Waddle, maybe. Jalen Waddle, that's a good one. Uh, Devontae Smith, DJ Moore, Dan Arnold, some other guys who maybe you could uh, buy low. Uh, let's keep the ball rolling. This question comes from Twitter at Cameron Seaman, S E E M A N, Debo for Keenan. Straight up. So I guess it's uh, another one of those. Who would you rather have, Debo or Keenan, for the rest of the season? I feel like I'd rather have Debo. I get the Keenan love. I think both are clear too. wide receiver ones in fantasy right now. I'm just not going to let one great game from Allen and one average game from Debo kind of change my opinion much, you know? Like, sure, it looks like Allen's on the upswing and vice versa with Debo, but Debo's usage is still consistently much greater. He's playing more snaps. He's being more involved in the offense. Could Kittle and Ayuk eat into Debo's playing time, maybe even when Trey Lance comes back if that happens or starts at all? Maybe, but I don't really see a big enough difference in their fantasy value right now to lean one way or the other. It seems more like a lateral move than anything, and there's really not much to gain or lose from it. Uh, I, I do kind of agree with you. I think I'd stick with Debo, but, like, what, what's, what's the purpose of this? Like, you're expecting Debo to fall yeah. off heavily? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't really see it happening. I, I kind of agree with you there. Lateral move, Debo for Keenan. But also, I, I think the biggest factor for me is we've seen regression from Mike Williams over the past few weeks, and I think that has contributed to an uptick in Keenan's production and his trajectory. But it just kind of feels like Debo, he is the Niners at this point. Like, he is their offense. He is their spark. They're going to scheme him ways to get the ball, and he's going to get – he's going to rack up those yards after catch because that is his game. And so I, I just don't see the Niners really chain, doing anything drastic over the next few weeks to change his usage. And like you said, I'm not going to let one average game from him really dissuade me from you know his standing in my fantasy lineup. Yeah, well said. All right, we got two more questions left. Why don't you read this one off? What do we got? From TikTok, it's – okay, this is interesting. I think it's Cam Can 3, but there are some st- – <laughs> strategically placed <laughs> periods in throughout there. So I'm going to go with Cam Can, Chubb, Henderson, or Montgomery for the rest of the season. 
Full disclosure, I just wanted you to try to read the name. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I see what you did there. Sabotage uh, your co-host. <laughs> uh, between Chubb, Henderson, or Montgomery the rest of the season, it's closer than you may think, but it's hard not to go Nick Chubb. Sure, yeah. he's got like some durability concerns, uh, but he's just better, and he's also the focal point of the Browns' offense. You can't say that about Henderson, and you can't really say that about Montgomery with their respective offenses. With Henderson... I like him a lot, but his snaps have been slowly decreasing over the last few weeks. And I know he's been banged up, but I still have a couple questions about him that I don't have with Chubb. It gets a little closer for me with Montgomery. Like I said earlier in the show, he was pretty darn good before his injury. I don't know if he'll be able to exactly replicate that production, but he should be relatively close based on his usage and his talent. Again, he played the most snaps among all running backs in the league in his first game back against the Steelers. So I think I'd probably go Chubb, Montgomery, Henderson. I'm not tied to that, though. I think things can 100% change this week. Yeah, I mean, I want to present like a, a counter viewpoint to yours, but to me, like Nick Chubb, highest ranked running back going into the season, and I don't really see that changing like with those two guys. Um, I mean, we, we mentioned it earlier when we were discussing the Odell Beckham news. The Browns are run first. They they thrive on Chubb running the football, at least for the first two downs for most of the game. And so, you know, like Chubb is is going to get his due, due workload and do his due diligence in the ground game. And I, I just think he's a more consistent option over those two. Exactly. Some may argue he is the best pure runner in football and who wouldn't want that on their fantasy team, you know, uh, we got another question before we round it out here on the breakout football podcast from TikTok. It's all bro. I T A L B R O. Hope I got that right. Had to throw it in there just to get a few more Camara thoughts in the show. Would you sell Camara for Barkley? What do you know? And that's because Camara's on the field and Barkley isn't. And even if Kamara isn't performing up to expectations, even if Drew Brees isn't giving him as many dump offs as Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or whoever's at quarterback for the Saints, at least he's on the field and he's earning points for your roster and for Barkley. That just Mm -hmm. has not been the case the past three seasons. Yeah, I really couldn't say it any better than that. Like, on the surface, it's a tough one because you know what both players are capable of. Obviously, Barkley's... uh, Upside is incredible, but so is Kamara, even though we may be seeing Kamara slowly maneuvering away from that high ceiling as he starts to put a little more towards his floor with Mark Ingram. I know I talked about it a lot on this podcast. This seems to be the Alvin Kamara podcast. Uh, I, I do worry about Barkley's durability, just like I do with Chubb and McCaffrey, but I don't really think it's enough to, to make me say I don't want him. But I think my thing with Barkley is you're hoping he stays healthy and he's the same player he was in weeks three and four. In those weeks, he had two 20-plus performances following the first two weeks where he didn't even crack 10 points in each of those games. I don't really know which Barkley I'd be getting. My answer could change after this weekend, though, based on how we see Barkley used and if he just looks healthy slash good. But Kamara doesn't have those question marks. And again, like I've said a couple times already on this show, at bare minimum, Kamara is still a high-end RB2, even if Mark Ingram continues to eat into his workload. Yeah, I mean, we just have a bad habit of agreeing with each other on this podcast. (laughs) We We should be more antagonistic. 
why don't we maybe that'll be next week's uh segment we got to find some things we disagree on make the case i refute everything it. you say <laughs> yeah exactly talk about why uh you should keep mahomes in your lineup every week i don't know maybe Maybe that's something we'll do. Uh, obviously, any suggestions to our loyal listeners that you may have, feel free to at us on all social media pro- platforms, not MySpace, sorry, but at Ham Analysis, at Zach Cohen FB. At this point, I would imagine you know how to spell both of them. Feel free to leave a review, as always. We got some things cooking here on the show. We're going to try to book some good guests for the future. But until then, as always... Drop any questions you have to us on social media. Drop a review. Maybe we'll read it. Reach out. Do whatever. Send a carrier pigeon. And we love talking back to you here on the Breakout Football Podcast. I am Zach Cohen of the Draft Network. That is Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. Any final words, my friend? Nothing much. Just everybody finish strong. It's it's still a long season ahead of us, but all that matters is taking it week by week. So go catch them dubs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.